Late one evening, a man who'd obviously had far too much to drink got on a bus, city bus, and he staggered up the aisle, and the only seat available was beside an elderly lady who was clutching a Bible. So he sat down beside her, and she got one good whiff of him, and she knew he was drunk, and she looked at him, and she said, I got news for you, mister. You're going straight to hell. And he stood up, and he said, I'm on the wrong bus again. Let me remind you that life is a journey, and we need to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. Because we need to make sure the right direction is going to take us to the destination we want at the end of our life. There's something about uh, a journey that makes it sometimes difficult, sometimes perilous, uh, following after Christ if we choose to do so. It's not always an easy thing to do, and making the easy decision sometimes is an easy way to opt out. But Jesus doesn't necessarily call us to that. Uh, we have seen examples throughout the Bible of, of people of faith, great faith, who had to deal with extenuating circumstances on their journey of life. And I think that was something behind what Jesus said. Uh, we've already looked at this earlier in this cha- uh, charge about being a, a, a follower and rather than a fan. That no one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I think he was uh, warning us that there might be some long, tedious journeys in that process of life of a disciple following after Jesus Christ. It also seems that long, hard journeys appear to be a part of life's DNA uh, and God's creation points to it. Let me give you some examples of that. The gray whale navigates 10,000 miles up and down the west coast each year at the speed comparable to a child on a bicycle. Every year the Arctic turn is required to relocate 22,000 miles away, which is roughly the circumference of the earth. The ever so slow leatherback turtle has to travel 3,000 miles annually for his favorite meal, which is jellyfish. And the monarch butterfly that can't even fly a straight line is forever losing momentum to a gentleness of all breezes is compelled to migrate 3,000 miles, a trek, I'm told, that takes over five generations to complete. Yes, life is a journey, and it requires endurance, and it requires correct directions. When we're called to the journey of life, we want to make sure that we're on the right road headed in the right direction. And our little mini Terminette uh, that goes along with not a fan uh, gives us a challenge about that. They would take you right off the edge of a cliff and into a thousand foot drop. At next intersection, turn right. Imagine traveling along, feeling secure and confident, not knowing that the directions in your hand, if actually followed, would lead to your destruction. The truth is, on this trail called life, all of us are following someone's directions. 
None of us are really blazing our own trail. We all follow a path that has been laid out for us by someone claiming to know the way. The question is, whose directions are you following? What path are you on? That's a challenging question for us. We're in our third week of uh, not a fan, but, but being a follower of Jesus. And Jesus knew the great significance of the fact that as a disciple we need to be on a journey. And to be on the journey that ends in the correct uh, destination is that we have to get on the right road. And Jesus tells us about the options that we have. Right in almost the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 in verses 13 through 14, he tells us about two, two roads and two gates and two destinations that are there for us to choose from. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, when we hear these words of Jesus, we know that those are strong statements, and they certainly run counterculture to the culture in which we live today in this uh, politically correct and uh, totally tolerant society. Maybe when you hear these words, they might even make you squirm a little bit because you're uncomfortable. You're not sure if you're on the right road. You're not sure if you're headed in the right direction. You don't know if you're a fan or a follower of Jesus. Hopefully, most of us in here are followers of Jesus. And hopefully these words will encourage you that you're on the right trail, you're on the right path, and you're headed in the right direction, and you want to stay in that direction. For some of you, you might not have given any thought to what road you're traveling in life, whether you're following after Christ or not. And so hopefully this will challenge you to open your eyes, to open your ears spiritually, to open your heart spiritually to what Jesus says to you and take in of what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual roads that we can take. And one is broad and wide and easy to enter and easy to navigate. The other is narrow to enter with a narrow gate and it's more difficult to travel. Unfortunately, most people in life are going to choose the easy way out. That's just our human nature. We want to take the easy way out. But we have to remember that when we make a decision about how we're going to travel, we either have to stay in that pattern or we've got to make some drastic changes. Back in the farmland of Iowa, back doing some heavy rains, somebody put up a sign on one of the back roads that said, choose your ruts carefully. You'll be in them for the next 10 miles. If we were to take Jesus' words right here in these two verses, powerful, powerful words that just tell us there's only two choices you can make in life. I think the, the, the message could be summarized like this. The gate you take determines your fate. Therefore, keep it straight before it's too late. So Jesus is saying, where you wind up later on for eternity depends on which road you take now. And I think Jesus is simply telling us that there are only two kinds of people in this world. And there's different nomenclature for them, but there's still only the same two types of people. Because you've got lost people who don't know Christ, and you've got saved people who made that decision. Or you can say, you have those who are non-Christian and those who are Christian. Or you can say, you have those who are Christ followers and those who are not Christ followers. You have those who are fans and you have those who are followers. And the issue for us today is to ask, which one am I? 
Which one am I? Which gate have I entered? Which road am I traveling? Now let's notice three quick spiritual truths I think that Jesus gives us as he gives us these two verses of Scripture. First of all, Jesus points out that most people are traveling the broad road that leads to destruction. How do we know that? Jesus said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. I think Jesus makes it very clear that most people will travel the wrong road. Today in our country, perhaps even in our, in, our, in our community, there are far more people who do not know Christ than those who do. At least about 65% or higher of our state are unchurched and lost without a relationship with God. That probably runs true uh, in, in, in every community. And I would imagine it's the same way out here in Northeast Columbia. If the Richland School District 2 has identified at least 40-some languages spoken, you can imagine what kind of religions have been brought into this culture in which we live today. All kinds of faith, all kinds of, all kinds of people with all kinds of thought. And a lot of people are traveling a road spiritually, but it's the wrong road. And Jesus said that wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many travel that road. See, there's so many people who are just traveling down a road that they think is right, and they've chosen it basically because it's easy. But the warning comes to us in Proverbs 14, 12 that says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And I was to think about three possible lanes on that broad, wide, easy road that people might be traveling. The first is simply the unbelief lane. I mean, these are people who just outwardly, uh, just simply deny that there's a God, that there's a, a, a Savior, that there's any absolute truth. They maybe have heard the, the truth about Christ, but they've never been convicted of their sin, the need for a Savior. They've never asked for God's forgiveness. They've never trusted Jesus Christ and the sacrifice He made for us on the cross. And so they just simply are totally unbelievers, and they choose to live that way. To them, life is a race, and they're just going down the broad, wide, easy road as fast as they can because of their unbelief. Then the second one that we would call is close to that, and that is the the morality lane. And the people in this lane are are probably pretty close to unbelievers, but yet at the same time, uh, they're on that same road to destruction with a little bit better and a little bit different outlook on their life life perspective and life goals. See, they're living under the delusion that if you just live a good life, you will go to heaven. I think if you'd go around our community, say places like a village at Sand Hill, where you can stop people walking through there and ask them, or go maybe to uh, any of the other shopping centers that we have, and, and just ask people randomly, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? I would venture to say that the vast majority of people would say, just do good works and live a good life and you'll go to heaven. Be good. Do good things. You know, good works. Be a moral, upstanding person. And the Bible doesn't say that. Titus 3.5 says that salvation is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but because of God's mercy. It's because of God's mercy, not anything that we've done. 
Um, one of the people who have studied the, the culture today religiously is a sociologist by the name of Christian Smith who says uh, that civil religion in America is tolerant and inoffensive. And he refers to our post-Christian future as a moralistic, therapeutic deism. Now, he lists the three major core values of that religion of our day. That number one, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. And there are a lot of people that live by that. Secondly, God does not need to be uh, involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And the third core value is this. Good people go to heaven when they die. Let me remind you of something. If morality was enough and good living and a good life was enough to satisfy the righteous demands of our God, then he never would have sent his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Morality and goodness will not get you to heaven. Then there's another lane that people travel on this fast road, and it's called the religion lane. I see, religion is what men, mankind, we, us, you and me, have made up as our way to kind of reach out to God. Salvation is God reaching out to us with the offer of forgiveness of our sins, a, a, a relationship with God. At the end of our life, we find that we're in eternity with God in heaven for, for, for eternity. You know, if we got all these different languages out here in our culture, surely there's an influx of all kinds of different religions, wouldn't you think? Now, there's some that I know that are pretty prominent. See, a Muslim believes that Allah will admit him to paradise if he faithfully observes the five pillars of Islam. The Buddhist believes he'll go to heaven if he follows the eightfold path. And the Hindu believes if you follow the doctrine of karma, you'll be reincarnated as a higher life form until you are like a god yourself. See, nothing could be farther from the truth than that. I hope you're not traveling on that road, but chances are you probably know somebody who is. They're on that broad, wide, easy road. They're just simply following after a religion. The Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life conducted an unusually detailed study of faith in America not too long ago. According to Louis Lugo, who is the director of Pew Forum, he says, Americans are very open in terms of various paths to heaven, and even in interpreting the teachings of their own faith, the majority tell us that there's that, that's not one right way to do that. The majority say there's not just one right way to do that. At least 70% of Americans and anywhere from 48 to 57% of evangelicals. That's mainline denominational church people like us at Spring Valley Baptist. You see, Jesus was so profound, he was so correct so many years ago. There is a broad, wide, easy road. And most people are going to travel that easy road. You've heard people talk about they want to live on easy street. Well, there it is that broad, wide, easy road, but it leads to destruction. The second thing I think Jesus teaches us is pretty obvious too. It follows as the opposite of the first point. This is that few people are traveling the narrow road that leads to life. Jesus said, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few 
find it. See, true followers of Jesus are on a narrow road. Those of us who are Christ followers, who are believers, who are Christians, who have come to a point in our life where we recognized our sin and our need for forgiveness, and we realized we couldn't do anything about our condition, and we asked God to come into our life through faith in Jesus Christ, believing in what Jesus did on the cross, dying for our sins was, was the adequate sacrifice to satisfy the demands of a righteous God. And we made what's called a U-turn, and we were walking away from God. We were on that broad, wide road that leads to destruction, but we made a U-turn, and we came back to God. Then we ought to be pretty familiar with U-turns. I see people up and down Two Knots Road making U-turns all the time. When I leave here, and I'm going up Two Knots Road, and, and there's a big stretch right there, like, like in front of Walmart, and people put on their left turn signal in the left lane, there is no road that goes to the left. There's a railroad over there. You know what's coming next if you've traveled that road enough. They're going to make a U-turn, and they just whip it right around, and they come back the other way. And I often think, why are they turning around? You know, did they leave the coffee pot plugged on at the office, or, you know, did they forget something, or, or you know, there's no traffic stop up here checking licenses and all that stuff. Why are they making all these U-turns? So we're familiar with U-turns. Spiritually, that's what it takes if we want to come back to God and walk that narrow road. It's difficult to enter. It's a narrow gate because you have to confess your sins and admit that you need a Savior. Now let me make two points about Jesus in that narrow road. First of all, Jesus is the narrow road. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. God has no other plan for your salvation. God has no other way for us to get to heaven except through Jesus. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? That's a very strong statement. It's very narrow-minded, isn't it? Well, it has to be because it describes a narrow road. But let me tell you, it is not a road of exclusion. It is a road of inclusion if you choose to believe. Because Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast aside. He wants us to come and follow after him. Now, one of the arguments in our culture today, there's an argument that says, you know, your belief as a Christian is just too narrow-minded. It's just too, too exclusive. It's too restrictive. In fact, somebody compared it to like a turnstile, say, at a subway station or a or at the state fair where you go in and you got to get counted one by one as you go in through that. Well, you know what? They're right. It is narrow-minded because the road is narrow. The gate is narrow. The way to heaven is narrow. It's only one way, and that's through Jesus. Now, let me share some thoughts with you about this, about the culture we live in today. I think most of us as Christians have a tendency to, to look around us at the world we live in, the culture we live in, all the diversity and all the people that we see that look like to us, if we want to be judgmental, that look like they are not living for the glory of God. There's a lot of lifestyle variances out here. And, and we say, well, this place looks like, you know, there's no hope for it. The old phrase is, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And it very well might be. But you've you got to do something more than sit there and wring your hands and talk about the days when it wasn't like this. 
There are two or three generations on the face of the earth, some of them right in here today, who've never seen it when it wasn't like it is today. Now let me tell you what it, what it reminds me of. Today's culture reminds me of that pre-Christian culture that was religiously plural and had a tolerance of a vast number of religious faiths. And yet there were followers of Jesus Christ who dared to be bold enough to confront that culture and that society with these very narrow statements. In Acts 4.12, Peter says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's pretty narrow. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 and says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. And John writes in 1 John 5, 12 and says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now each one of those statements is extremely exclusive and overwhelmingly narrow but clear. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. One of the difficulties of people accepting and embracing that truth is that this culture today, George Barnum tells us in his extensive research, that at least 75% of Americans do not believe in an absolute truth. If you don't believe in an absolute truth, then it's difficult for you to believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, right? It's difficult for you to believe that he is the one and only way, the narrow road and the narrow gate to enter in to a relationship with God and to be a follower, not just a fan. That leads me to say the second thing, that Jesus is not only the narrow road, but Jesus is the narrow gate. He spoke about two roads and two gates, and he is that narrow gate. Jesus said earlier that, I quoted that, he says, I am the, the way and the truth and the life. Those are some of those great I am statements he made in the Gospel of John. He also said, I am the gate. And when he would talk about being the gate, people would automatically know what he was talking about because uh, one of the dominant professions during that time were shepherds who took care of flocks of sheep. And Jesus always called us sheep because we're so uh, likely to go astray. But they would know that out in the wilderness where shepherds would take their sheep to graze them and move them from place to place for fresh grass, there would be these little stone wall built uh, enclosures with a very narrow opening. And when nightfall came, the shepherd would take his flock of sheep into that uh, enclosure one by one. And once they were all in, all accounted for, and he treated them for their scrapes and scratches and all those kinds of things, then he himself would lie down across that opening and be the door. He would be the gate, and he would keep the sheep in, and he would keep the dangerous animals out. Jesus says, I am the gate. And everybody would know in their mind what he was talking about. Jesus is that narrow gate. Jesus says, I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. And finding pasture is a picture of green grass and nourishment for the sheep. And later on in John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and might have it to the full. That's abundant life that Jesus offers now when we choose to follow after him. Jesus is that narrow road. Jesus is that narrow gate 
But he also said there are far more people traveling that broad, wide, easy road than there are traveling that narrow road that's difficult. Now that leads us to say the third thing about I think what Jesus would want us to understand from these two verses of Scripture. And it's this. Your direction in life determines your destination after death. Your direction in life determines your destination after death. Jesus very clearly teaches that there's only two eternal destinations. One is heaven, the other is hell. In Luke 16, Jesus spoke about two people who died, contrasting their lifestyle. One was the poor beggar by the name of Lazarus, and then there was the rich man who totally ignored Lazarus, and it came a point in time where they each died. And Lazarus, the poor man, died, and he had a poor man's funeral. But he went to be with Abraham on Abraham's bosom, and that's being in heaven. And the rich man probably had a very elaborate funeral, but he woke up in the flames of hell, and it was so agonizing and so tormenting that he could see, evidently, uh, Lazarus across the way, and he asked God to let Lazarus come and just dip his finger in the water and put a little bit of it on his tongue. That's how much he was in agony. And there is that contrast between the two eternal destinies. It's either heaven or it's hell. Now remember, the, the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He did so because there was no place in his life for God. He did not acknowledge God. He did not walk that narrow road and enter by that narrow gate. And you see, when you come near to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, I just happened to finish reading through that and doing a little studying through it the other day, that when you get near the end of the book of Revelation, there's a very powerful scene. It's called the white throne judgment. And that's where all unbelievers who have traveled that big, wide, broad road that was easy to travel and have not confessed Christ as their Savior, uh, that's where the Bible says they are thrown into the lake of fire forever. Revelation 20, 14 through 15 says, The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You know what that means? That means eternal separation from God. That means eternal punishment. It does not mean annihilation, but it means eternal punishment. Because God has given you the offer through Jesus Christ to have a relationship with Him if you choose to travel that narrow road. The question might be in your mind, how do I get my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, those U-turns that South Carolinians are so prompt to do is what you have to do. You see, these two roads are not like that they are ones over here like I-77 and I-20 over here. But it's kind of imagine it like the, the broad, wide, easy road is going this way. And there's so many people going on it fast and easy and all that. And, and the narrow road runs right back the other way, right through the middle of it. And that hit me because, you know, when, when, when you come to faith in Christ, the first thing you have to do is repent of your sin as you acknowledge it. And to repent literally means to make a U-turn. And instead of going away from God, you come back towards God. And when we're called to be Christians, so many teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, particularly and all the way through the Scriptures, teach us that if we live the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus Christ, we're going to be going against the flow of culture. We're going to be going counterculture against that traffic. Hear about the guy that was on his way home from work, and his wife heard that there was a guy on the interstate going the wrong way, 
And she called her husband and she said, honey, you better look out and be careful. There's some idiot out there going the wrong way on the interstate. And he said, there's not one idiot. There's hundreds of them going in the wrong way. But if you get that picture of this broad, wide, easy road and this narrow, hard road, we're going to be going the opposite way from what culture thinks is the right way. But Jesus said, that is the road that leads us to eternity with God. See, we'll be in the minority if you're a Christ follower. But you'll be going in the right direction. Robert uh, Frost was a well-known poet. And one of the, his works that I like so much is entitled The Road Not Taken. Some of you perhaps are familiar with it. But he starts out by saying, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Along I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. And then at the end of his poem, he ends it by saying this, Two roads diverged in a wood, and, and I, I took the one last traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I'm not sure what roads he was talking about and why he chose the one less traveled. But when I hear Jesus talk about the broad, wide, easy road and the straight, hard, narrow road, then that's the road less traveled. That one that's hard to enter and hard to travel and narrow. And if you choose to take that road, then it will be true that 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 direction in your life will make all the difference. Not just for now, but for all eternity. So, as we think about that being a fan or follower in our third week here, and the two roads that Jesus talks about, which road are you traveling today? Are you traveling on that broad, wide, easy road, going down the easy straight where any religion will do, morality is enough, you know, it doesn't matter, all roads lead to heaven? Or you are a disciple of Christ, you're following Him, and you're going down that straight, hard, narrow road. You see, that's the only road that leads to eternity in heaven with Jesus. He wants you on that road, but he says few people choose it. We're in the minority. But if you're on that road, you're going in the right direction, and you'll end up in the right place. So where are you today? And then let me ask you something else. Do you know somebody, if you're on the right road, do you know somebody on the wrong road? And what can you do to help get them on the right road? that narrow road that few choose. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and the absolute truth that you give to us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Thank you, Father, that uh, he explains to us the demands of being a follower and gives us the option to choose whether we go down that broad, wide road or whether we travel that straight, narrow, hard road. And I pray that as your spirit moves in our time of uh, commitment right now, that you'll speak to many hearts, that spiritual ears and eyes will be open to the, the spiritual truth you have us to know about following after Jesus. And I pray that you, the Holy Spirit will lead to conviction uh, that those who are not believers and those who are not on that narrow road will come today to walk that road and walk with Christ for eternity in heaven. And that as we walk that way, we'll be concerned about those around us who are on that wrong road and we'll do what we can to get them turned around and coming back to you. Father, this is our prayer we ask in the name of Christ our Lord and our Savior. Amen.